So Adam, I just got back from almost two weeks on the road with my husband visiting relatives in this city and relatives in that city and going to a wedding in another city. And it was all really, it was all really fun and, and good. And it made me, made me start thinking about being on the road and doing road trips and, and wondering whether you ever, whether you ever got on the road to do a, to do a tour as a, as a standup. Well, I mean, like a lot of comedians, I would do open mics in any city that I visited. Unlike a lot of comedians, I would not call this a tour. <laughs> I would just do it quietly. So, no, no, I, I've never done a proper tour. Uh, there was never a bunch of comedians uh, getting together in a van or with me or in a hotel room with me. I, I just generally worked with whatever touring comedians were coming into whatever city I lived in. <laughs> So I got it from their perspective, never, never my own. Well, that's, that was a good episode. Let's get on to the jokes. All right. Well, I'm sure you have some stories from friends that you can anonymize and, <laughs> and tell their, their twice told ribald tales of life on the road. Well, I mean, here's the thing. There are two types of comedian who are thinking about touring at all. And, and thinking about the tour as they are doing it, if they are not, you know, with their friends and thus kind of have an extended holiday with friends. If they're just comedians on their own, as is kind of like the club comedy chain way, I mean, they're not thinking about who they should pair you with. They're just thinking of like, oh, this person hasn't been to this city in a while, Bleh, send them over. They went over well last time. So they're often solo and paired with people that they know only because, well, they work the comedy club circuit. So this brings out either two things from a comedian. One is, oh my God, even though I am 50, I want to party all the time. Let's do whippets. <laughs> or it's a man or a lady who is thinking, man, I am way too old to do whippets <laughs> with a 60-year-old comic and four 20-year-old comics asking me what it's like to be a comic. I'm going to say as little as possible and read a book. So that tend, that tended to be it. So there were like people who wanted to like party all the time. There were comics who expressly got <laughs> MCs or people to drive them from the airport because those were the best people who could score coke. <laughs> that kind of thing. Uh, but that's really what it comes down to. It's like, are you a man child or a woman child still uh, at the age of 40 or 50? Or uh, have you grown tired of such things and would rather make some extra money by showing up a day early and holding a workshop for the comedians on joke writing, which a lot of them did. And honestly, as much as that sounds like a scam, it was quite interesting to go to those. No, that sounds really I, – I, I mean, obviously, the, this podcast shows that I'm the sort of person who would find that kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, so I wonder if some of that is because you started as a stand-up in Newfoundland, and I imagine there was not much of a touring circuit around the island? No, and it was also like, hey, do you want to go over to this part of the province, which is – an hour drive. And for me, usually the answer was no. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, an hour seems like a reasonable amount to go for. If you're if you're on tour, if you're stringing a bunch of little towns together, yeah, an hour between them seems fine. But um, there are no large towns that far away from St. John's. Yeah. So. 
I remember I remember when I was in Newfoundland, mostly I was just interested in performing in the city. I think a lot of that too was informed by the fact that I didn't have a car and I didn't drive. So I was I was really dead meat if it came to touring. Like I would basically have to be driven around and PS I could not take over like a driving shift, you know, how people sleep in shifts and then drive all nice and that sort of thing, if that's what they're doing. If if that sort of thing was planned, I, I could never do that. So that's also a uh, a strike against me. Not that there'd be too, too much of that in Newfoundland, I admit. Well, I will say, um, as somebody who also uh, did not know how to drive and did not have a car, uh, that's that's why bands are good. Because then you have enough other people around yeah. that you can do this with. Yeah, um, typically but a comedy show is like three. So, Yeah, exactly. Um. So I wonder if that is as true for comedians who get started in Toronto, because there would be, you know, you could string together some medium sized towns along the way, or even just go to a larger town that's, you know, a day's drive away. Mm -hmm. And you could string a bunch of those together to make a, an easier tour than flying to Halifax and then hoping for the best. Yeah. And I, I, it seems to happen a lot more and people get organized about that and they can, kind of make a whole week or two out of it. I think a lot of it too is just starting at the right age. Because if you're younger, you're probably working a go-nowhere job and you're okay with you know putting two weeks aside or quitting your job or whatever to go on tour for however long and see what money you make. And I started stand-up in my like mid to late 20s, <laughs> regrettably. And... So I never saw the appeal of it. I, I, I would have gone, I guess, but I, I would have had to consider it, but it just never came up. So I was in my mid to late 20s the first time that we went on tour, as more or less all my bandmates were. Um, and it is the sort of thing where we all had to arrange for like we had to save up our vacation time and I'll coordinate that. And it made it very tricky. It also meant that, you know, we actually didn't go on tour as often as we probably would have needed to, to actually get anywhere in the biz. And it also meant that uh, on some tours I had to like take someone else. Like when I did my Canadian tour, when we did our Canadian tour, it was me and someone who had never learned how to play bass before, but could get the week off, could learn how to play it well enough. Mm -hmm. And was really excited to be able to tell people at venues, hey, I'm with the band. <laughs> I, I think that's how a lot of uh, comedian drivers get started. It's like, I could drive a car. I know a joke. <laughs> do, the, do the drivers usually like open? <laughs> that is often the deal. Yes. <laughs> now, you know, an insidious comedy secret. That sounds amazing. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> I mean, only if it's, it would be great if it were like specifically advertised as this, like literally the chauffeur is going to come up and he's going to do a three minute set. <laughs> he's, he knows this one joke. Come on, guys. Just let him tell the joke. Don't, don't, don't spoil it. You know, you know, you know the joke too. Don't, don't ruin it for him. <laughs> oh, that would be great. Mm. I would really love that. Especially if it was just specifically about being a show for it. It's like, I've got a tight three minutes. That's <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, stretch limos. It would be really good to see a show where like everybody's mom opened with three minutes of their best. <laughs> I would totally go see that. I don't care how shitty the comics are afterwards. I just want to see their moms tell their jokes for three minutes. 
I, uh, I would love to see that for moms having to do like extremely normal moms having to do extreme material, either extreme RA material or extreme persona material, like an Emo Phillips or a Stephen Wright type. Yeah. Or an Eddie Murphy or a, you know, Richard Pryor classic stuff. That could all be good. Hmm. Uh, or, or impressions. I'm sorry. I'm getting too excited about this idea. Yeah, what is with you and mom stand-up? That is the best idea this podcast has had in however many episodes we've had. I don't know. I think you're forgetting a lovely recurring segment called Crypt Keeper or Not, aka To Crypt or Be Cribbed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I want to hear your mom's version of that routine. <laughs> not my mom's, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, someone's mom's. Yeah. Crypt Keeper's mom. Uh-huh. Um, where were we? We were talking about touring, and you had a any rando who was willing to learn bass could <laughs> drive and drive y'all to a destination. He did a fine job. <laughs> I'm sure he did. My thanks to him. My thanks for him to be willing to go with me on this tour that was never going to make a dime. <laughs> that was just a sinkhole of money, but that was a, a dream, a fever dream that I had, and somebody was willing to say, all right, I will use... 10 days of my vacation time and spend, you know, a thousand dollars or whatever to make this ridiculous dream. I don't know. It wasn't that much, but it was enough to make this ridiculous dream happen and to like do this once in a lifetime excuse to drive across the prairies of Canada. (laughs) We had a great time. I don't think he regrets it. I certainly don't. How often would you go out kind of driving and doing multi-city little tours and things like that? Like how often would you do that as a musician? We only did it a handful of times. Um, It was no fun to organize. We didn't have a manager. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a a bad person. I didn't have a heck of a ton of friends. So it's not like I had like, oh, that friend that I made the last time I was in small town in Northern California. I'll totally see if I can play a thing at their thing. No, I I had a few, but not enough to string a tour together. I also, as I said, I couldn't drive. Um, And me and all my bandmates had jobs and- you know, as as we rapidly aged, increasing responsibilities, you know, going back to school or, or having kids or things like that. So uh, we only did it a few times. They were interesting and and I'm glad I did it. But also, you know, you get old and you don't want to sleep on couches anymore. Yeah, I'm I'm well past that in my own <laughs> life. Yeah. As someone who has had to sleep on a number of love seats, uh, many of which are at best five foot six, right? In terms of length, and I, in terms of length, am six foot four. <laughs> Not great. There was one place on our first tour where we were staying at a friend's apartment, and their apartment, while very nice, was very small. It was a one bedroom, you know, with just a sort of living room kitchen combo area. Now, I was touring, it was our band and another band. And my friend was like, look, it's a one bedroom. I'm taking the bedroom. The rest of you are welcome to figure out where you're going to sleep. So it was, uh, there were six of us. And I think there was a, there were a, 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 a couple who were both very small. So they were able to sleep on the couch and squished together. And that was fine. Mm. I think I slept on one side of the couch on the floor. Somebody else slept on the other side of the couch on the floor. Someone else lied out in the galley kitchen and somebody else decided to sleep on the balcony because it was Southern California in January and it was fine out to do that. So that was how the six of us managed to wedge ourselves 
into that little tiny space. <laughs> and that was great. And I'm glad I did it. And I don't want to do it again. In, the, in one of our stops, uh, one of the people decided that it would be most comfortable to sleep literally in the closet. <laughs> it was, you know, emerging. It was not from a walk in closet. Night. Okay. I thought it was a symbolic thing. <laughs> no, 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 indeed. I, I, we made that joke, but it was not. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, um, if I can't get either an actual spare room with a bed and a door at a friend's house or a hotel room, then I don't, I don't, I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. It loses its appeal. It loses its appeal to like rough it that way. You know, there's an episode or perhaps a mini-sode. I am already forgetting. But we talked on It's Just a Show about backpacking. And I once fell asleep in a uh, British toilet and because there were no other options. So I had to essentially live the hobo life and, and fall asleep on a toilet and keep an eye out for anyone trying to investigate this uh, both occupied and unoccupied toilet. It was Schrodinger's toilet. <laughs> and that's... You know, that was a fun thing to do. And admittedly, I did do that in my late 20s. <laughs> um, that was a fun, weird thing to do. But man, I, I would not want to make a life out of it. Right. And and not being certain of things until you get there. It's like there's a lot of dicey things. I know that like Airbnbs, has pro they've probably made touring a lot easier. I guess. Although, God, you have to deal with Airbnb hosts. Yeah, but um, in my experiences with Airbnb hosts is that they don't want to talk to you. They're like, this is your side of the house. Uh, talk to us if anything's on fire. Here's a note. Uh, rate us five stars. Bye-bye. <laughs> like, that's it. They're they're very hands-off in my experience. I've only I've only done the thing where the uh, they are not in the in the living space with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and I and and it's true that they don't want to visit you or see you, but boy, do they send passive aggressive notes. Oh. Like, here's a little thing, by the way, this, that, and the other thing. And yeah, the please rate us five stars and please do this, the other thing. It's like, no, I, I just, uh, just shush, <laughs> just go away. Um, so that's probably true. That, that might make some things certainly easier, but that's not even like the entire problem. Cause the other side of it is that, especially if you don't know the venue, hmm. like if you're doing shows, if you're doing your local yuck yucks or your local music venue like you have a sense of who the people are and what to do if something goes wrong yeah but if you're on the road and you play a show at a place and it's like okay well it turns out that the booker is a complete flake and the sound guy's terrible and like you got there at the time you were told to but apparently they expected you to get there two hours later and you know the show's not even going to go on until two in the morning and you were trying to do this that and the other thing to have it all be specially like i don't know i had some i had some pretty miserable shows including shows that got canceled midway through or at least my participation in them got canceled midway through no, because oh it's a really complicated and boring story but basically uh. um yeah basically uh it's just a really complicated and boring story okay. <laughs> i i can't even think of a way of of summarizing it pithily uh <laughs> but we did not organize the show the friends that we were touring with did and they were really irresponsible and our friends were may not have actually totally clarified that we were going to be on the bill, although they said they did. Mm. But and then like, oh, I guess you can do a thing. And then I was like, actually, no, you can't do a thing. <laughs> so I ended up just sort of getting frustrated and um, spending a couple hours uh, in a parked car 
in LA in some part of LA while the, I could still hear the noisy band inside playing and just waiting for everything to be over so that my friends could finally leave so that we could go to the place where we were sleeping that night. Cause it was two in the morning and I was tired and cranky and I didn't even get to play a show and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it was no fun. It's no fun. That does sound like no fun. And it wasn't even like you were kicked off the venue because some guy had to come out and go, I'm sorry, the bar is closed down. It's full of badges. <laughs> like nothing, nothing fun occurred. <laughs> No, exactly. Oh. It, as I just demonstrated, it was not a good story. Mm. So, uh, I mean, there were definitely nice, nice moments and, you know, venues that were fantastic and, and crowds that were unexpectedly into what we were doing and blah, 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 blah. Uh, but, um, but it, it was a real, like a real risk every time. And, and in a way that it wasn't rarely as exciting as you'd hope it would be. Oh. So I guess in some ways I dodged a bullet by never going on tour. Yeah. I mean, it's nice to have, have done, but I, I don't know if, I mean, maybe, maybe someday, you know, podcasts now go on tour. That's true. We could have an Airbnb, Chris. We sure could. And, you know, we, we'd have to have at least that much. Otherwise it's not happening. Yeah. We won't <laughs> tell them that we're putting the show in the Airbnb. Also, like, I don't think we'd go on tour without knowing that we'd make enough money from each show on the <laughs> tour, which is the thing that I didn't worry about as much when I was in my 20s. Yes. Admittedly, that's a, that's a new priority. <laughs> so if you, one of our four listeners, want us to come and be not funny at you in person. And tickets start at $200. <laughs> oh, I mean, that would be nice. Maybe. I'd feel I, like if 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 you were if we were doing a show with two hundred dollars tickets, I think both sides would be fully well aware that they weren't going to get their money's worth. So excited am I by the prospect of the two hundred dollar ticket show that I actually just left the microphone just now, went to my local store and purchased an all sequence suit. I mean, yeah, just so I could use it for such an occasion. So please, please, let's have this $200 ticket show happen. I hope it's not the same all sequence suit that I picked out. Uh, uh, this this one, they called it the Manelli. I don't know if that's the same one you got. <laughs> this one was called Sparkly Charlie Brown. Oh, I, I see. I see. So it looks like a Joy Division album cover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, glittery, glittery. The yes. unknown pleasures of Charlie Brown. <laughs> Uh, have you had any friends who had sort of any good, good or more likely horror stories from being on the road? Honestly, aside from a, a case of bed bugs, no. And that's not really worth sharing. Uh, yeah. Horror. It's unpleasant. Another good reason to not tour these days. Yeah. I think bed bugs aren't as bad as they used to be, but yes. And, you know, check, check your mattresses before you, before you drop your stuff off in the room. Little things, pick up, look at the corners. They like to be under the seams in the corners. You can find little black specks. This is just your handy bed bugs. Know, know what the signs are. Guide. That's what this episode's secretly about. I, I have I have done that. Let's make it the bed bug cast. I have done that. I got bed bugified in two different hotels in the last three years. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> Horror. Especially because I did not know. That the very first time I didn't even recognize it. I was like, what's happening to my skin? <laughs> Are you one of the people who uh, itch from bed bugs? Yeah, which is why I didn't get a good night's sleep. But I, I, didn't, I didn't know what was happening. 
just because like I'd never I'd never seen it or experienced it before. Uh, in fact, I remember hearing "Don't let the bed bugs bite" as a kid and thinking, "Oh, that's a made up thing that your parents say to have a rhyme. There's no such thing as bed bugs. That's foolish." Yeah. Similarly, I was I was completely shocked when I learned that they were actually a thing and were now back on the rise. Gross. So you know what? Whether it is through the people that you meet or parasites, you can always make friends on tour. You're Not Funny is brought to you by Megaphonic FM. Go to megaphonic.fm and check out all our fancy little podcasts. Adam, you have something interesting and relevant on one of your and thereby hangs a tales. Uh, yes, actually, there is not a story of touring, but a story from a comedian coming up on And Thereby Hangs a Tale. It'll be out at the end of this month. Sarah Walsh, who has been featured on CBC and more prestigiously, Rogers Community Television, tells a story about her guinea pig dying and what she had to do while she made a decision. Uh, spoiler, she put it in the freezer. <laughs> I did that with a pet bug once that we found in our apartment. Is he still there? No. <laughs> you mistook him for a chocolate chip or a pistachio while eating ice cream? Yes. But yes, you can find that podcast at megafonic.fm slash thereby. Yes. In just a few days. Yes. Why not go to your podcast app of choice and subscribe to it? Just like you've subscribed to this one, surely. Mm-hmm. Surely. Surely you understand how podcasts work. It's okay if you don't. Podcasts are new and exciting. And so, you know, but there are apps. You can get one. It will subscribe, automatically download it. You don't have to wait for a link to show up on Twitter or in your Facebook feed or whatever. You can just have it. It's lovely. Mm -hmm. Surely you know how podcasts work. Shirley MacLaine does not know how podcasts work. Sad, really. Don't be Shirley MacLaine. (laughs) All right. So the topic this time around is touring. And I think it is my turn to go first. All right. Well, let's go. So I just flew in from Paris. And, you know, it's really expensive and annoying these days to check your luggage. I think it's like like $25 a bag or something. It's it's crazy. And so I had everything on carry-ons because I was trying to save a bit of money because Paris is expensive. But I was gone for like over a week and I had a lot of clothes. And I also brought like a backpack full of, you know, podcasting equipment, like microphones and little stands for the desk and all that. So I'm lugging all this stuff around. Uh, obviously not while I'm on the flight, but like from the hotel to the airport in Paris and then and then from the airport to the subway back home. And like I I'm not a I'm not a muscle god. Like I don't I don't lift, bro. So, you know, uh my my arms are legitimately tired from lugging that crap all around, but but I can't tell anyone this because they'll, they'll think I'm making a dumb joke. Well, since I have no experience touring, Chris, I think it's time to bring back everyone's favorite game. Now, one thing that you encountered whilst on your trip was a Tales from the Crypt pinball machine. Well, what luck? It's time for another rousing game of Crypt Keeper or not. I want you to do this in your mom's voice. I can do no such thing. Uh, court order. Ah. <clears throat> So it is up to you. I'm just going to pitch your voice up an octave. Uh, It is up to you to figure out whether or not these are from Tales from the Crypt, and I have cribbed them, or they are brand new 
Crypt Keeper pun penned by me. It might just be one this time, again. But who knows? Your mom knows. My mom knows nothing. Again, court order. The prize is nothing. Except the joy of playing the game. Let's begin. The Crypt Keeper is dressed as Elvis Presley. And he is strumming a guitar with a severed ear. Ready to rock and roll? What's the matter? Can't carry a tune? I'm playing by ear myself, the Crypt Keeper says to his adoring fans. Second, the Crypt Keeper is on a golf tour. There is a skeleton with a golf ball embedded in its skull at the Crypt Keeper's feet. Don't mind him. That's just my caddy, Juan. He got me teed off, so I put a hole in Juan. And finally, <clears throat> the Crypt Keeper is dressed in a suit. He waves to cheering voices and screams. Hello, oys and drools. It's your old pal, the Decrypt Keeper, breaking the Enigma machine's code. There's more cheers. Why the crowd? The Crypt Keeper then takes out a picture of Alan Turing. I'm Turing! <laughs> <laughs> now, which of these is real? Well, <laughs> I see why the fact that they did an Alan Turing bit made you think of it so that you could do it for this episode. <laughs> that, was, that was very convenient of them. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to say... Uh, that I believe that the Alan Turing one is inauthentic and that it was invented by your mom. Uh, as for the other ones, I'm pretty. It's the Elvis one sounded plausible, uh, and the Juan one sounded less plausible, which makes me think it's probably real. <laughs> it has a joke that sounds like it was written by someone's dad. It it's really bad. It's a really bad joke. <laughs> Uh, so, sure, I will say that the other two are legit. Ah, you are correct. <laughs> <laughs> See, we've played this game long enough that I can now get it right. I need to start shaking up the rules, but I had that, that Alan Turing joke, and I was like, well, it's just too promising to let up. Uh, did I ever tell you about my idea for a musical group? That would be based in Newfoundland. No, it would it would include one nice older woman and two sexy young Latino guys, and the name of the band would be Manando Nan Juan Juan. Oh, uh, I I still want to make that dream happen. I think you can. <laughs> I'm sure there are sexy single nans waiting for your call. <laughs> I mean, they're they're usually in bed by six, but still, they're all tuckered out after the weather report. <laughs> I had something to say about Alan Turing jokes, but I've completely forgotten it. Oh well, <laughs> it, it was it was surprisingly difficult to make a straight Alan Turing joke. So it was <laughs> it was so important to bring back Crypt Keeper or not, right? 
I see. Yeah, you bring in the Crypt Keeper to do your difficult material for you. It's just a puppet. It's just a puppet. It's okay if the puppet's racist. Well, uh, well that's just it, Chris. It's, it's like all of a sudden when you when you you're like you're a fallible human being, so sometimes you just can't get a joke to work. But seeing things through the lens of the Crypt Keeper, so many possibilities and avenues open up before you. <laughs> I apologize for doing more airport material. <laughs> that's that's okay. You're learning. <laughs> that's how that's done. <laughs> Got to get that out of the way early. I've decided that I just like the idea of 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 being kind of literal with the podcast title, and just have. I, I guess I'm doing my anti comedy phase. <laughs> have you ever decided to do a show in drag as anti comedy? <laughs> Oh, someone else must have done that already. <laughs> let me let me Google. All right. I mean, if there's robot comedian, surely there's anti-comedy. There totally is. Oh man. Then I've got an even better idea. You do an anti-comedy show, but you do it while dressed as a giant ant. Oh, yeah. That huh. hasn't been done. All right. I think we have a topic for our next episode, ants. Mm -hmm. We can start talking about our ant comedy material. Yay.